Hi everyone, welcome to Metaspace. I'm your host, Rachel Holmes. Uh, Today joining us is Nora Wendell. She is a relationship coach who helps women reconnect to their femininity, sexuality, and create conscious, healthy relationships. Nora, welcome to our Metaspace podcast. Mm, Thank you so much. So excited to be sharing all juicy things related to how do we actually get the love we so want? Yes. Um, Nora, so tell me first, um, just, I I was just curious looking at your website, why have you chosen to work with women specifically through this process? Mm, Yeah. So I think first and foremost is because I'm a woman myself. And so I understand a little bit more, that doesn't mean I can't work with men, but who tends to come to me is our women. And I do work with a few men too, but my marketing and everything is like, it's all geared towards women because I'm a woman. I understand the processes. I understand what's going on with my body and how to reconnect to my femininity and my own sexuality, because that's been my process over the last 10 years or so. And so it's, it's because I'm familiar with it. And uh, when you talk about your process, what's your process been like over the last uh, 10 years or such to get you to this place where um, you're helping other people, other women um, with their relationships, communication, expressing their femininity? Mm-hmm. It started when I was 24 and I had a panic attack on the London underground and that coming out of that experience, I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust the greater universe and I had anxiety. So anxiety is just a fear that something in the future is going to happen to you now. And that started my personal development journey in, in seriousness because I couldn't go on the London underground. I couldn't go on buses anymore. At one point I was afraid to even leave my house. So I did a lot of alternative therapies in order to, uh, be okay with you know being an independent woman again because it was my fear was like if I'm alone something's going to happen to me again because that's what happened in my panic attack and so over the last 10 years uh you know it didn't stop me living my life I'm a very you know my parents are international they live in Hong Kong and Bali and so I still lived my life but there was always that underlying I'm not okay I have to make sure I always am with someone And so I went from codependent relationship to codependent relationship, thinking that that's what's going to make me be okay. And after my last more serious long-term relationship ended about four years ago, I was just like, this isn't how I'm not getting what I need. This isn't how I want to do relationships. Like what's going on here? I was living in Cape Town at that time and I moved to Bali. Uh, My dad lives in Bali. So he was like, come here. It's okay. You'll, you'll, you know move here. I want to be close to you. And I was like, okay, let's go be close to my dad. Uh, and then I, it was up in Ubud. And for any of you who've been in, to Bali, Ubud is very much a spiritual center um, where you, there's lots of workshops and lots of like healing going on. And then I just dived fully into the community there. And I did so much like sexuality and femininity and embodiment and dance and contact dance to really reconnect because I was so disconnected from myself. And to really feel, what was I feeling? Why am I scared? What's going on? And that led me to become a photographer, actually. I did, I did feminine embodiment photography. And it was amazing. It was great. I did it for three years. And all the women who 
came into my space and I got a photograph, it would be like wild women in like sunrise and in the, uh, in the jungles naked and all of these things was that they, I made them feel really confident. I was able to hold space for who they wanted to be in that moment. And that then led me to becoming a, a coach of femininity and then ultimately now a relationship coach because I just realized we all just want to be loved. And yet we make such a big like mess out of it, I always say, because nobody teaches us how to consciously communicate. Nobody teaches us what is our childhood patterns that are causing us subconscious um, emotional temper tantrums. And this is now my main focus really is clearing past unhealthy relationship uh, patterns or baggage, whatever you want to call it, so that you feel clear and ready and able to show up as your full adult self in your relationship. And you never have to have a fight again. There's no, no such thing as a trigger. You're able to truly tune into what your needs and desires are and be able to share that through conscious communication so you can get your needs and desires met, or at least it opens a discussion. And that's what creates intimacy on all levels, emotional, physical, intellectual intimacy, spiritual intimacy. And so that's been my journey. So um, do you think it was childhood patterns that led you to codependent relationships? So I had a thing around my dad. I had, I needed to, and this was, I had amazing parents and you can have the most amazing parents and you might internalize one day that you're not good enough. Um, and that's kind of what I do with my clients is we work backwards uh, and see what, what, what are, what, residues are there still from your childhood and so with my relationship it was more like I, I felt like I had to prove myself I felt like I had to prove myself to be worthy of my dad's love which was not the case but that was my story I had created and therefore all the relationships I I had even growing up from like 16 always was always with older men and so it was like this neediness that I had to get validation from older men and so when I saw that pattern I was able to then you know reparent myself and the belief I had created and I'm worthy of love no matter what. So I guess the answer to your question, I forgot your question, but I guess the answer would be yes. <laughs> I saw I saw I saw a pattern in my childhood. <laughs> yeah, that that you answered it. Thank you. Um so let's dive into conscious communication. What does that mean to you? Um and what are the kind of concepts that center around uh, conscious, like healthy conscious communication with someone else? Um, I'll just preface it with saying that we think that we share truthfully and honestly, but if you really look at yourself, it's like, how much are you not sharing? Because there's actually some fear, specifically with your loved one um, in your relationship. Is it like, am I afraid that they're going to reject me or abandon me? And that's going to cause a loss of love. And we've had the majority of us have had past heartbreaks or past heart hurts, I call it. And therefore, we become very cautious around our hearts because, you know, love hurts. Love is painful when it's no longer there because it's such a foundational longing that each one of us has that we then <clears throat> we do everything we can to get it and everything we can to protect ourselves from the pain of it. And when you're in so conscious communication is the ability to truly be vulnerable with yourself and be like wow i'm feeling this right now and then be able to share it in a way with your partner or with whoever you're with without needing to blame without needing to shame without needing them 
without an expectation for them to be a certain way as you share, but it's that freedom within yourself to welcome what you're feeling, not assume anything about the other person, revealing your experience in the moment and sharing what's going on for you. And that's what creates true connection. And yet we are so afraid of it because what if, <gasps> what if, and this is why under conscious communication, it's really, under, really great to actually look at your patterns, childhood patterns, your triggers, um, because once you look at your own, you can, you can realize, oh, this is what's coming up for me. I'm actually scared of this. And then you see it in your partner too, which then means that you never have to have a fight again. If you know that your partner had a traumatic childhood around, let's say, neglect, right, then certain things might really trigger that in him. And that might make him angry or frustrated or lash out. But you know, that's not him. That's actually just a subconscious pattern that's running him which is what I teach when I say, you know, how to never have a fight again, is really recognizing each other's triggers and just being there for another person. So conscious communication is not only connecting to your feelings and desires and being able to then share them without the fear or expectation of something in return, but also being an active listener. So full body listening, I call it, full body listening and being there for whoever is talking without needing to put your opinion in it because we want to be heard, right? All of us, you have a conversation and you're like, can't wait and you're interrupting each other, but that's not what it's about. So I teach certain methodologies where you're just listening and you just reflect back. I hear you said that and you repeat the exact same words and it makes somebody feel so heard, so loved for who they are, so supported. Yeah, it's, it's a, I'm a big fan as you can tell. <laughs> so do you find that um when it comes to conscious communication that you have to uh, end up working with both people in the relationship no so i've got a current conscious communication offer intimacy program right now and it's only for women because um it's actually so the way that i teach it and my background is in actually authentic relating which is what they call it i've termed it conscious communication because i find authentic relating people don't know what it really means and it's, it's, it's about understanding a framework for communication, understanding how you can set context for conversations. And then for certain, for certain conversations, it's like a partner A says this, partner B does this, partner B says this, partner A does this. It's actual framework that you can input. And so you can teach it. So I teach it to my women and then they then present it to the men that they're with in relationships so that they can just follow this framework. But for example, my conscious communication uh, program for, for deeper intimacy, it's we do the first couple of weeks on just what do you want? What's your relationship assessment? What does intimacy mean for you? Because here's the key thing. We go into a relationship without, without actually thinking, what does it really mean for me? What are my relationship agreements? We kind of just default into the relationship and default that we're going to get love and supported. And one of the big things is, okay, what do I want out of this relationship? What are some of my needs that are really important to me to get out of this relationship and then talking about it together because maybe you're talking completely different languages according to love and relationships and intimacy and so it's about coming onto the same page of the book and then that's what starts the beautiful discussion of like how can we co-create this together what we desire how can we create a relationship vision hmm. do you find it's almost like starting over in a way where the couple are, are coming together to share what their vision is and to actually talk about that as opposed to kind of like you were saying just find themselves falling into relationship and 
thinking they're just going to get whatever they want out of it. I, um, it is starting over in a way because if you've never done it, then it's something new. So it would be starting over. And it's what happens in a longer term relationship is generally, I'm going to have a call myself out on a truth claim here, a generalization is stagnancy, right? What happens is stagnancy and you get so used to the other person and you just fall into the roles of assumptions together. It's like, he always likes his coffee black or he's always going to be that way. Um, and so a big part of what I do is how do you keep that passion alive? How do you keep that new relationship? It's called NRE uh, alive. And a, and a big part of it is keeping the excitement going, keeping new things going, doing things differently. And that's how you actually get to deeper levels of intimacy as well. And so in answer to your question, yes, it is starting again, but it's starting again with intention within, okay, what's not working, right? What's not working for me in this relationship? So my option is leaving. And that often has huge consequences and maybe overwhelming to even do that. Maybe your kids, you're married, you've got properties together. All the finances are intertwined. So the thought of leaving is just like, like, oh my God, like to untangle would be such a big thing that maybe I'm not ready for. So then, okay, let's, let's, what do you want out of this relationship? How, how are we going to get about getting that for you? And maybe you won't get it. Are you going to be okay with that? Can you live with that? I work with a lot of women in sexless marriages. And I'm like, I'm not telling you, you need to separate, but if nothing changes, are you willing to stay in this? And that's a decision you need to make by yourself. That really is. I cannot tell you. And if you're okay with it, then beautiful. I'll teach you the framework for tools of how do you get your needs met if maybe your husband isn't able to, to, to help you in that way. And there's so many different ways to have relationships. We often think it has to be one way. But if one of your needs isn't getting met, can you use the framework of conscious communication to then ask, is it okay to, if I do this? You know, Is it okay if we open our relationship? What does that mean for you? If you're not able to meet me in this way, and this is one of my core needs, what can we do about it? And let's have a discussion. Let's talk about it so nobody gets hurt. You feel heard in your both of your viewpoints because it's never right or wrong. Everyone has their own experience. So your experience is completely valid. But what happens in fights and triggers is that we think we're being negated. Our existence and our identity is being negated, which is why we make such a stand for it and be like, no, you're wrong. I'm right. Yeah. Um, so some of the, um, key points I noticed you put about conscious communication was knowing yourself, facing your fears, having those difficult conversations, sharing uh, how you feel and listening to the other person. And I think the, the facing your fears and having those difficult conversations is maybe the hardest part once you figure out what you want. Um, and so... I'm just curious, like how, how, how do you lead people through that when perhaps their partner isn't communicating in the same way or hasn't um, learned these tools uh, as well as um, the person you've worked on with one-on-one? -on -one? First of all, you can never change another person, right? We all know that. We've all tried that, at least in that. <laughs> it's probably not led to the best results because nobody wants to be changed. <laughs> so unless they want to do it themselves. So yeah, so I tell my women, you can just be the inspiration. You can just set, you know, 
set the ground. This is how I want it to be and be the inspiration in how you talk. And generally over time, people assimilate, right? If you're a certain way, people kind of assimilate towards you. Um, for, for example, if, you know, you're in a relationship and you're really desire, like your love language is words of affirmation, right? That's how you feel love. That's how you embody, wow, this person loved me. And your husband is just not a talker, like simply, nope, not a talker. And it's like, you, you feel like you're dying inside because you're, you constantly question, does my husband actually love me? Because he's not talking your love language. So what do you do then, right? What do you do then? Um, well, what, like, for example, what I'd suggest is have a discussion around him, make it, make it so he really understands how important it is for you in the marriage or the relationship that you get some words of affirmation. And you can actually give him words of affirmation that he wants you to say to you. So give him words of affirmation that you want him to say to you. And it might feel mechanical, but over time, people can learn. And it's a process which is called re-romanticizing. So if you're in a struggle in your relationship, you need to re-romanticize your relationship and give each other things that you want done to each other and make sure you do things on that list. And it might feel really mechanical and really awkward, but you're training your brain in a whole new way now. And over time, it's actually going to have an effect. It's going to impact you. Um, so those are, there's, a, there's like, according to every situation, there are different ways that you can go around it. But first and foremost, you, you need to know, what do you need? What do you desire? What's not working for you? Because without that knowledge, how can you ask for what you, from the other? How can you ask from the other if you don't know it from yourself? And that also goes for sexual intimacy. There's no manual to a woman's pleasure, especially because we're so unique. And men love to please women. And yet so many of us, again, I'm going to call myself out, truth claim, generalization here, however I'll say it anyway, so many of us are afraid to actually share more of what we want in the bedroom, be vocal about it. We kind of just want the man to take over. And yet if you start to, that's why I'm such a big fan of, let's say, masturbation. I'm like, well, what do you love? Explore yourself. Play with your body. Even just give yourself a sensual breast massage. Because maybe you realize that actually an erotic zone for you is like the side of your breast. And you never knew that. And your man immediately goes for your nipples. There's so much play to be had. And what I just see happening again and again is that we, we think it has to be a certain way. We think it has to be a certain way and we kind of do it that way. Because in honesty, there's no sex education. There's no relationship <laughs> education. There's no conscious communication education. There's no emotional intelligence education. We learn yeah. by mistakes. We learn by having, you know, trauma induced in terms of relationships in our hearts. And so we close down and we think, oh my God, I have to protect myself. So I work with so many also single women, professional women in their 30s who just are like, they're so doubtful of like, how do I find my man? Why, why like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, there's nothing wrong with you. And also let's see what's coming up with your inner child, the reparenting. I'm like, that's, a, that's the number one tool that I use, by the way. Yeah. If you're reparenting. Inner child reparenting, because I can guarantee all of us, every single one of us has some sort of story from our childhood up until, you know, teenage years around worth or not being lovable or am I good enough or any of this? Yeah. 
I really love the idea of creating a list to give your partner about not only your love language, but what you would like to receive from them so they can, they can give it to you. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. It's and, and, and create a little pleasure list also, right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> let's try this, create a gift. It depends on your love language, Gary Chapman, five love language. You can do the quiz online. It's like you know, words of affirmation or service or, or gifts. So my love language is gifts, but it's not necessarily, I don't need a physical gift. It's the idea that somebody thought of me out of context and then gave me something. And so it's, 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 I don't need like, you know, a diamond ring. No, but if you like left a note when I knew you were really busy and the note referenced something that was really special to both of us, that for me is like, oh my God, this person loves me. So you really need to figure out your own, own love language and then figure out your partner's love language. Cause you might be talking to totally different languages and no wonder both of you are like struggling with intimacy or not feeling heard or supported in your relationship. Let's move on to relationships and um, what you consider a successful relationship to be, Nora. I think a successful relationship in my viewpoint is the ability to grow together through anything. And that means you have conscious communication as a core foundation because you need to be able to talk about things. What do I want? Where do we want this to go? Um, a healthy relationship is definitely about being free to be yourself. So there's no fear of yourself or um, expression or all of that. Uh, a healthy relationship for me is having physical intimacy, deeper levels of physical intimacy. Otherwise, you're just ultimately you're just friends. And that happens very often in longer term relationships. You just end up friends because, you know, the <clears throat> the hormones within us go from like the passion, the erotic, the curious, the kind of like dopamine hits of reward hormone into like the more supportive supportive oxytocin which is the love hormone which is like home and support and comfort so it like switches like that mm -hmm. and a healthy relationship really is the ability to also spend be interdependent so not be fully in each other's lives all the time and this is what happened to me. It's like I wanted to spend 24-7 with, with the men that I was with in my previous relationships. And I was just like, that caused such a neediness in love, such a neediness in love. And it doesn't work because what happens if that person leaves you then? Then, then this is like what I get. It's like women who are just like, oh, my God, who am I now? My identity mm -hmm. was this person. And so it's like, no, you need interdependence where you're like, I am this amazing person who has all her hobbies and all her friends and all of this. And he is his amazing person and he does all of this. And we have this great relationship, which has so much spaciousness and freedom to create. And we don't need to just rely on each other. We can also be separate. And if you're wondering what's the key to eroticism in a relationship and passion, it's actually spaciousness. Miss each other miss each other a little bit if you're spending 24 7 together there's no chance for you to miss each other going away on a girl's weekend go visit your parents for a week miss your man yeah i love that i totally agree <laughs> <laughs> um what do you find through your work and all the people you've, you've worked with what's the the most common um complaint about people's relationships you find hmm. such a great question I think most recently because I've been talking a lot about conscious communication is um, 
not feeling heard, not, not, not getting the physical intimacy that they desire. That's been a very, very recent one. Um, and then um, for, and these are for women in relationships already. And for single women, I've, I've worked with, I do, I, sometimes I do one-off sessions because I'm like, oh, I know exactly what we need to do. Let's clear that from your past. Um, it, it was a lot around, why do I keep attract, attracting uh, unhealthy, toxic, uh, uncommittal men? Like, what is this pattern that's going on? So those are the kind of two main ones that I've seen, uh, let's say, in the last maybe four or five months that keep popping up into my field. And and for the, you know, why do I keep attracting toxic men? Well, it's something inside of you that it's an energetic match. So what's going on inside you that thinks that you have to, that, that feels like it's safe to have this kind of man, even though it's not what you want. Your subconscious is running a program and a story because something happened in your past where that is all you knew and our brain works on the past. So it's attracting the same. So to break that habit, I'm like, well, what do you actually desire? What's going on in your past? Yeah. Um, I want to kind of just go back to childhood wounds for a moment because um, I feel like you never hear anyone talk about that in relationships. It's always done, you know, when you see someone, um, I don't know, I, the, the idea that, that you would know and understand the wounds of your partner, um, I think is a really powerful thing. And that's something that's kind of come into my awareness over this last year. What brought you to this conclusion that it, need, it needed to be a part of relationship health? I, I, I was doing inner child, <clears throat> I was doing inner child work for maybe like three, four years already, four years. And it was, it was just me for me. It was, it was, I don't even remember how I came across it. I'm trying to think like, when did I first experience it? Um, and I can't remember right now. And it was me for me and just realizing that I had this, you know, um, story created around my dad and I had to prove worth. And I was just like, I don't want to, I just, you know, I don't want to feel this way anymore. And then I think someone, one of my friends suggested to do a meditation around in a child. And then I was just like, wow, this is really interesting, really, really interesting. What else is under here? So then I kind of dug a little hole around that. And in terms of in relationships, I just figured that every person has, you know, every person grows up, every person is a child, every, you know, we all are, we all want to be loved. It's all the same. And therefore, if I'm doing work singularly on myself and with my clients through femininity and <clears throat> <clears throat> if I'm doing work with my my sing, uh, my one-on-one -on -one clients around femininity and confidence and I did a lot of work with confidence in women in the beginning and it always came back to something that happened in their past where they were like told that or to you know you're not allowed to speak now go to your room no you can't dress like that you you know like things like this when they were children and then it was like, obviously it has to be a relationship too, because if I'm doing this work well, as a singular person, it's two singular people who come together in relationship. They're both, it's going to be even more needed because it's two people instead of one right now. It's two people who've got their trauma and their stories going on and they both just want to be loved and they both don't know how to get it really. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a great thing to, to bring to, to your partner's awareness and to have that support and understanding um, from your partner. Uh, I think, like you said, it just allows for more intimacy and connection to occur. 
what happens is, is, is you put yourself in your partner's shoes then, right? It's a change of perspective so that you're like, wow, I really get it from your view now. I really get it like really putting myself in your shoes and looking at it from your partner's perspective. It leads to compassion. Hmm. Yeah. Let's dive into uh, sexuality, femininity, and the work you do with women in regards to those things. Mm. what would you like to know that's a huge topic right <laughs> well what would you like to share <laughs> um okay let's just talk about femininity first i did a lot of work on femininity because i felt like an elephant i really felt like an elephant for a long time having my anxiety like super comfy mm. and i had such a like often was reflected to me oh you're so graceful and elegant and feminine i'm like really because i feel like an elephant like what's going on and so i kind of like had to like think about what is it that i do and femininity for me is like the ease and the flow and the beauty and the grace and the receptivity and the creativity and the nurturing. So that's what I consider femininity to be. And you don't need to wear flowing dresses or have long hair. It's, it's an energetic state inside of you. And we're just in a masculine driven world where it's all action oriented and goal oriented and success oriented, which, it, which means you've got to drive forward. You've got to drive forward. And then a lot of women are just feeling exhausted. They're feeling exhausted and not giving time for themselves. So when I was doing femininity work, um, you know, it's about slowing down. I brought a lot of like tan tantra elements into it, for, which for me is and uh, how alive can you be in the moment? That for me is like what I get out of tantra. It's a awakening of your sensuality and an enriching of your life experience. So instead of the typical, you know, wake up at seven, hit the snooze button, you know, make your pot of coffee, put your clothes on, go to work, sit on the underground in New York, the subway and, and not look at anyone. I'm like, right, that's just mechanical. What do you want out of life? You want to feel alive, right? This is so many nine to fibers, you know, feel dead inside. And I'm like, right, how do you bring aliveness even if you're in a job job, right? And I'm like, well, slow things down, heal more, do things a little bit more differently. Uh, it's like mindful meditation. It means you don't have to sit, but it's just whatever you do, do it mindfully with intention and awareness. And the femininity, a lot of women were just like, I'm not attracting the men again. And I just feel a lack of confidence and it led to their sexuality. It was just kind of like a spiral effect. And so the work I did in femininity was, okay, just take a breath and just like, what is feminine to you? How can you receive more in your life? How do you stop getting onto autopilot? Mm -hmm. How do you want to like, and then uh, would introduce things like breast massage. And some women had never touched their own bodies. And so I was like, no, reconnect to yourself. Ultimately it's a reconnection to yourself. I love this idea of um, how alive you can be in every moment and um, I mean, when I think about that, like I get a visual, it, it's just like Shakti right away, that amazing feminine energy. And yeah, we don't, I mean, you know, generally speaking, we don't show up uh, in every moment that way. <laughs> um, so I'm curious, you mentioned uh, tantric practices. What are some other tools you use to get women to um, tap into that part of themselves? So definitely, you know, sensual, sensual self massage. And it's that's um, when I, when I talk about it that way, I'm like, just be your own lover, be your own lover for, for a moment. So maybe that's 
in the bath, you know, soaping yourself after after a shower, putting some body lotion on. Just do it with such love and attention. And I always say, you know, for women who have a lot of body hatred, it's like your body is doing everything it can every second to keep you alive. Think of it that way. It really is. Every second it's doing everything it can to keep you alive. So just spend a moment and be grateful for it and appreciate it. Um, so definitely essential self-massage. Breast massage is, for me, when I remember the first time I did breast massage, I went to a workshop in, in Ubud in Bali and we were like 20 women sitting in a circle. We took our tops off and it was like, right, we're going to do this. And I'm like, this is really weird. <laughs> and, then I just, and I was like, you know what? I'm open to trying new things. Uh, you know, I'm not who I want to be yet. Got to open my mind to new things. And I remember going home and I was like, let's try this at home. And then I just got really into it because it just felt so good. It felt so good for me to spend more time with myself without the laptop or without needing to read. It was just me and myself and feelings. Like that was it. That was the threesome we were having at the moment. Uh, other, other tantric practices is breath work, eye gazing. It's, it's, it's connection practices. And I think definitely for me, number one is slowing things down with intention and awareness. And so if you have a partner and you want to do it in the bedroom, eye gazing, set a timer, two minutes, three minutes, and just look into each other's eyes and just notice what is arising in you. Notice if there's thoughts or no thoughts, if you're judging, if you're feeling awkward, it's all okay. It's all part of the experience. There is no right or wrong to your experience. It's all valid. And then you can like close your eyes and you can explore sensual touch. And take, take like penetrative sex and orgasm out of the table just so that you're just there to explore each other. Just there to explore each other and notice how does it feel? How does it make me feel? What am I desiring? And so you can play with that. I always love how the answers are more simple than we think they are. We just don't, we're just not doing them. <laughs> we're not doing them for whatever reason, whether, you know, and it's usually ends up being, you know, it's not part of our culture. Like, like you said, we're not taught these things. We don't talk about these things. And no. um, yeah, I think, I think what I realized that I actually wrote a book last year, it's being published uh, this year in February. I don't know when the podcast is coming out, but yeah. Um, and it's, I just had this big realization when I was writing my book and the book's called Confident, Sexy and Wildly Free. How to own your worth, ditch the self-doubt and not give a fuck what anyone thinks of you. Uh, and it's a it's it's my 10-year personal development journey in a book so it's like eight mm -hmm. chapters and eight different tools and sets that i use to become this confident sexy free woman and when i was writing the part about so many women were coming to me when i was when i was coaching in confidence is like i just don't feel worthy like what is this about and so i, I like sat and i thought about it and i was like well we're taught that we're not worthy from school age already because if we don't get the good grades and we're not the a star student and it starts from then already. And then it goes into like university and college and the job, right? You're only gonna get a raise if you're really good. So if you don't get a raise, you're not worthy. It's mm. so ingrained into us, so ingrained. Yeah. Uh, so let's dive in. I mean, I feel like this goes right into talking about sexuality too. Because um, I feel like people have a different definition of what that means and has a lot to do with their experience. What is what does that word mean to you? And what are you it's like what are you and how are you helping other people express that part of themselves? 
I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question. Which is <laughs> I'm like, hmm, what does it mean for me? Um, it's a um, give me a moment to really think about what does sexuality mean for me. Sexuality is the freedom of self-expression in any way that you desire, which can then it can or cannot lead to more physical intimate acts, including penetration. Um, and I think the key here is the freedom, freedom of asking for what you want and self-expression because sexuality, money and sexuality are two topics which are very taboo in society. Nobody talks about how much money they really make and nobody really talks about sex, right? They're considered dirty and taboo topics and that's our conditioning. And therefore, when it comes to sexuality, so many women are just like, don't feel safe. They don't feel safe to go after what they truly desire. They don't even know what they really want in terms of, you know, what feels good for them, what's pleasurable. And it's simply because there's a lack of education around it. There's a lack of, um, I mean, if you just think back to your sex education in school, I mean, how cringeworthy is it when you think back to that, you know, rolling a condom <laughs> over, over a banana or your the uncomfortable teacher standing in the at the front of the room trying to like teach you at, I don't know what age was I I was probably like 12 13 um same thing around women and their periods right menstruation yeah. we don't get taught about it it's it's it just kind of your parents may or may not share with you and then you're kind of left to deal it with it on your own there's just a lack of education which is fun and playful and freeing in how they teach it around sexuality menstruation um again all the things i listed in emotional <laughs> you know emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and that's kind of like one of my big things is like oh, i'd really love to develop a curriculum for schools that that makes it totally fine to talk about these things specifically emotional intelligence i think is so important understanding your feelings and being able to share them which relates back to the bedroom right to, to sexuality and, and 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 intimacy in the bedroom we all want to have sex yes there are asexual people and that's totally fine the majority of us you know do want to be physically intimate with someone and it leads to one night stands and it leads to you know soulmate heart bursting heart orgasms also and there's such a wide range um, to explore and, and play with and it comes back down to are you getting your needs met even in physical intimacy mm -hmm. sexual world and you're never going to know unless you know what they are yeah um nora do you have any uh courses or workshops coming up we could tell people about mm -hmm. i've got so i have a my upcoming which i'm super excited about brand new live group coaching is for single professional women in their 30s who keep asking why am i still single and i'm taking you through clearing your emotional baggage clearing past unhealthy relationship patterns so that you're welcome you're ready to welcome in your life partner or soulmate man or husband whatever you decide that term is it's going through why am i still single that is like the question that i work with the most with single professional women in their 30s they're like i don't get it i'm amazing i'm independent i make the money i'm fun why am i still single so come come chat to me on uh, on instagram if you're interested in in joining that course it's 12 weeks long and it's live group coaching and it's going to be so much fun everything i do is based on fun that's like one of my principles 
because otherwise it gets very, very serious. And I'm like, that's totally fine too, but it can also be fun and playful because what we're doing is exploring our desires and desires are fun and playful. Yeah. And how can people connect with you? You said Instagram. What's your um, Instagram and website? Yeah. So my, my website is Nora Wendell, N-O-R-A-W-E-N-D-E-L.com. And actual fact, I'm probably on Instagram the most out of anything. Just slide into my DMs. I'm always like sending voice notes and giving tips and advice to people in my DMs. And my Instagram is my full name again, at Nora Wendell. And you can link everything. And yeah, otherwise my book's coming out also. So that's something that's if you're not ready to work maybe with a coach one-on-one yet, buy the book because it comes with a whole workbook. It comes with meditations. And it's just like, a, it's like full resource for understanding yourself. And guess what? Inner child reparenting is probably, the, it's the second chapter in that. <laughs> and what's the name of that book again? Called Confident, Sexy, and Wildly Free. Perfect. Thank you, Nora. This has been a great, uh, great time to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was fun. So many, so many great questions. Thanks for your great questions.